Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. Oh, got a treat this week. David Isaacs, my writing partner, is with me. It's a real coup to get him. Usually, I'll have him on about once a year, and we always have these really spirited conversations that last a long time. So I'm breaking this one up into two parts. This is part one. And we talk a lot in this session about the theory of comedy, also romantic comedies in films, why they're sort of out of favor. David currently is a tenured professor at the University of Southern California, and I hand out promo codes, so uh, who's doing better? But it's great to have him back, and you are going to enjoy part one, my interview with writing partner David Isaacs. Okay, well, David teaches a class at USC in the Foundation of Comedy. It's a lecture class. I actually taught it for a couple of years before I moved across town to UCLA. And uh, as has been the case throughout our partnership, um, I start something and David has to come in and finish it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's a great idea for a class because basically it is an overall survey of comedy and different genres and that type of thing. So let's talk uh, a little bit about some specifics. But first, there are so many definitions for comedy. What do you think is a definition of comedy. What defines comedy for you? Well, I think it's basically um, it's basically the, the thing that elicits um, laughter that that um, we identify with, that we relate to, that uh, we see in a kind of ironic way that uh, that makes us laugh. Uh, any human behavior, any um, kind of uh, sense of someone. Uh, being foolish or absurd or or um, or anything like that, and it, but we have to identify with it. We have to kind of um, we have to see ourselves in it, or someone we know, or some situation we've been in. And so, the more the more universal it is, the more of an audience it has. I guess is one way of saying it. So, in trying to write comedy. I've always found what has been very helpful is putting characters in frustrating situations. Mm-hmm. You know, that if there is conflict, that if a character is out of his comfort zone, 
then he will react in an irrational way. It's like if you cut off all of the reasonable options, then you have characters going off and doing things that they normally wouldn't Mm -hmm. do. And so for me, a lot of comedy comes out of frustration. That's why I like to think of myself (laughs) as a sadist, as as a comedy writer, because I will often take a character and just beat the crap out of them in order to get comedy. uh, You know, you have to have conflict. That's number one. Um, When I am teaching uh, students uh, who want to write comedy and we talk about Obviously, we talk about characters that are going to that are going to portray that comedy, that are going to be the vessels of that comedy. Um, those characters have to be have have conflicts. They have to have frustrations. They have to have uh, conflicts within themselves and and within with, with, and without the world uh, within the world that they're in. Um, one of the exercises I always do is uh, if you give me a character, give me a character that you you want to write about. And then give me 10 words about that character to describe that character. And kids will always put down like, uh, well, he's friendly. He or she is friendly, loyal, um, ambitious, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, just just sort of platitudes. Mm-hmm. And so I have 10 platitudes and I and I go, where's the where's the bad side yeah where's what's the, funny about that what's, uh, w- 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 there's nothing funny about that mm-hmm. a perfect person is not funny right and so we start to work on like what is what is the dark side of that person they get frustrated uh, they they they're quick to anger they're uh, they're cheap I mean, how, right. how many years did jack benny get <laughs> An amazing amount of comedy out of out of cheapness, which is once again a a, 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 a trait that we all identify with. We mm-hmm. see in others. Um, so you have to have that kind of conflict within character. Uh, Frazier is a perfect example of that in, in terms of a complex character who who is a psychiatrist, is ethical, knows better, and yet he has a sort of hedonistic side that he that has to be fed and those. So it comes into contact, into conflict within himself. Um, so before you think about where's this character going, where what world do they live in, I have to know that this character has traits that we can mine for comedy. I think of all the characters that you and I have written together over the years, probably my favorite from the movie Volunteers is... Lawrence Bourne the third, mm-hmm. the character that Tom Hanks played, because right. this guy was just an asshole. He right. was just a preppy asshole narcissist, we, and and we it wrote was him, so we, much fun. It was so much fun because there was no boundaries to his selfishness. Right, right. And so the challenge, of course, is to find something that moves him to do something noble by the end of the movie. But the fun was. He was a liar and a cheat and selfish and um, and patronizing and condescending. Um, you know, you might watch that movie now and go say he's a he's a bit of he, he's a bit of a racist. But but um, well, I was going to say that he belongs in the uh, administration. But OK, oh, that, well, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> He'd love Trump now for sure. But but I mean, I remember we did a, 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 a joke that to this day makes me laugh where he's playing um, 
poker with uh, a bunch of Thai villagers. Mm -hmm. And he calls the game and he goes, seven card stud. Uh, deuces are wild for white men. Yeah, which you know is, <laughs> is pretty is pretty controversial now, but was funny because it's like that's in a sense you're saying a lot more about the colonial aspect of 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 um, of the white race, you know. <laughs> but you know we 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 cheat to to uh, benefit ourselves. Um, but I digress. Um, but you know that was a great yeah that was a great character because he wasn't perfect he was right. he was flawed and a character has to be flawed and it also helped in that case too where Tom Hanks really embraced the character cuz sometimes you get actors who don't want to be seen in a a poor light yep. you know they they want to be perfect and noble right. and you know that's fine I guess if you're writing a, a drama, but if you're writing a comedy, you got nowhere to go. I remember when you and I used to write on Wings. Mm -hmm. Lovely character, Faye, mm -hmm. you know, Rebecca Scholl, wonderful actress. Yeah. And she played this very sweet character. And of course, the character tested really well because mm -hmm. what's not to like? She's right. very lovable. But God, it was really hard to write for her well, to, because she was so nice and so perfect. She, she was gentle. What she tried to do is is find some dark side uh, about being a right. stewardess. That, that seeps through. That seeps through. Yeah. So that smile con contradicts the words, and then you're laughing because you're you, you're you're seeing you know you're seeing a side of her you haven't seen before. Um, but yeah, you do need. Once again, all the characters we've written. I mean, we we did a pilot, and the the, the name of the actor will remain uh, remain anonymous. But we we had great trouble with the Kim and with the character because everything we had him doing, which was once again a sort of variation, a different variation on the Lawrence Bourne character, who's a kind of a snob and a selfish, self serving person, and every time. We gave him a trait that way, or gave him an action that way. He fought it, and at the at some point, you and I looked at each other. And goes, this guy should not be playing the part because right. he doesn't understand it. Right. He just wants to be a nice guy. By the way, um, I did a, a reading of that pilot. It was called The Snobs, and I put together a cast and did a reading for this podcast. And I don't remember which episode it is, but it comes up it's the first year and it comes up sometime late in the summer so if you're curious uh we put together a, a really good cast yeah. uh the cast that we had for the tv show was actually very good except for that one guy we had aaron paul and yeah. uh we had Kat Dennings. Kat we Denning. had a really good... We know how to start them on a yeah. career. We just don't know how to get them to where they need to be. <laughs> we're like Moses going to, you know, bringing the Jews. We can't get, get them to go across the river. Um, <laughs> but go back and listen to that episode. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it's 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 funny. You, you know, uh, you, you want to have characters always that are complex that way. One of the funny things and one of the things you, that you started w within the, the course itself at USC was a whole evening about British humor, which you, you and I right. share a great love of. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, show the standard stuff beyond the fringe. And of course, which, uh, well, the goons, the goons with Peter Sellers, Harry Seacombe and, um, 
Spike Milligan, which begat, in a sense, uh, Beyond the Fringe, which Peter Cook and Dudley Moore in the late just passed away, Jonathan Miller and Alan Bennett, and then begat Monty Python. And there's a sort of tradition of that. And um, and they begat uh, Laurie and Fry and, and uh, Rowan Atkinson. Um, but a lot of begatting with those a lot of British. Yeah. But um, the one thing that we love about the British, and, and, and it's a funny thing because we very much wanted a British actor for that part we were just talking about at the snob because they have no compunction about playing someone who is selfish and self-serving. I mean, look at Basil Fawlty. Look at mm-hmm. almost, look at the Black Adder. There's no, <laughs> they revel in being assholes, basically. Right. And you can just tell when an actor is having a good time playing a villain. And I would think as an actor, you'd love to play a villain. Exactly. Because it's more interesting. But I think back to Dallas and uh, J.R. Ewing. Yeah. And how Larry Hagman, you could just tell he was having the time of his life playing that part. And that guy was a complete, utter scumbag. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you love him because he was completely committed to his scumbaggery, which, and of course you get a great actor and a, a guy who understands the part, who's not, who's willing to let it go that way. Um, and that becomes memorable. What else do you really remember from Dallas beyond that? Unless right. you're a super Dallas fan. So let's talk about some different genres of uh-huh. comedy. One genre which seems to be going away and it's unfortunate is the romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Why did romantic comedies work and why do you think romantic comedies now are sort of out of favor? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that, I think. Uh, some of it has to do with the people, the auspices, the people who are, uh, who are, who are writing it. Um, maybe some of it has to do with the times, I don't know. Um, you could certainly say screwball comedy very much came out of the Depression um, because the setting was usually some kind of um, upper class right. situation, right. so there was a way for the audiences to enjoy that kind of uh, the 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 um, the rich making ass fun of themselves, right? In yeah, a way. and it was so, kind of an escape, and and, and, and yeah. it was an escape. But mm-hmm. it, but it, but it, so you could say some of it was the times. You'd think that would be the case today, but it doesn't seem to be. Some of it is just the actors. There's there's very few people that I can think of that, and maybe be, because they haven't been tested yet, but are in the league of 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 um, of the old timers. You know, the Barbara Stanwyck's and the Cary Grants and the Catherine Hepburns and and the people who and and the whole um, Preston Sturgis repertory company, mm-hmm. um, Claudia Colbert, Joel McRae, those kind of people who could play light comedy. Um, and then uh, if you go back a little bit, I think you'd almost have to go back to uh, the, the last few people who uh, – males who who seem to have scored that way are um, – uh, if we're just talking about light comedy, you're talking about Tom Hanks and um, – and George uh, and, Clooney and, and, a little well, bit. Well, Clooney has that gene. Yeah. Uh, Billy Crystal was uh, was great. There's a sense of of um, of the the man being uh, a kind of non threatening, um, uh, playful. Those kind of things. It just doesn't seem to uh, um, to be present in the storytelling. Um, 
they tend some of the romantic comedies tend to uh to be more situational um uh, uh, you know uh, uh, sort of coming out of the pretty woman school where they're fantasies in a way um made in Manhattan and the wedding planner and right. those kind of comedies that um where the 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 woman who wouldn't normally meet the successful man gets the successful man. Yeah, kind of the high concept yeah. type and, of thing. And no knock on, on the actor, but, you know, Matthew McConaughey is not, he's too good looking. He's too macho in a way to play funny. Right. You know, especially when he takes his shirt off. That's that's the death of comedy right there. <laughs> Guy takes his shirt off, comedy goes out the door. Um, Remember, you and I were in London. Yes, yes. And we went to the Globe Theater and we saw... Uh, we went to the Old Vic. The Old Vic. It was the Old Vic. Um, that's right. We went to the Globe Theater to meet Shakespeare. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But at the Old Vic... And he wouldn't hire us. The I know, pitch, yeah. really. Yeah. And we had great sonnets. We had hilarious sonnets. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, see how far we can go with this. <laughs> so, we saw the Philadelphia story with Kevin Spacey playing the Cary Grant part. If you've seen the movie, mm. Cary Grant, very funny in that. And Kevin Spacey was doing the lines and playing the character, but there is that vibe that he gives off. So he was scary. Yeah. Well, he, he <laughs> there's a scene where he's uh, he was talking, he's playing Dexter Haven, the Cary Grant part from the movie, and uh, and he's talking to Tracy, who's, who was played by Catherine Hepburn in the movie, the actress, and he suddenly yelled at her, he, or he he turned on her and and got in her face. And I remember you turned to me, you literally, I remember this, you turned to me and you go, the show's over. The play's over. It's over. Yeah. He, he went dark for a second, and it scared the. It just kind of took all the lightness out of the story. Yep. And from then on, the level of laughter literally went downhill. Right. And and it had to do with his choice, certainly. Um. And uh, and and there's not a lightness to. He's a great. He's a good comic actor. Not a particularly great person, but he's a good <laughs> comic actor. But there's a darkness to him, and it works in American Beauty, and and, and it works in um, in the House of Cards. Um, but it, there has to be that kind of sense of uh, it's sort of it's sort of uh, that kind of in romantic comedy. You never get in the woman's face. You never right kind of yeah. And that's why the good, you're not supposed to fear for her life, right? And that's why a guy like <laughs> Ted Danson. Uh, where he's not known for for filmic romantic comedy, was great in something like Cheers because he understood, as much as he would f- be frustrated with Diane, he would play her as opposed to getting angry at her. Right. And a lot of times when we do, uh, it's funny when we we've staged scenes at USC. Um, uh, at times when we've we've done some workshops where we try to. Uh, have uh, young directors take classic scenes from romantic comedies, per se, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Crazy Stupid Love and uh, Tootsie and some other things. And um, what happens is the the young actors, the good-looking young actors that are picked to play the Dustin Hoffman part or the Steve Carell part or the um, uh, Ryan Gosling part, um, 
they're not funny because they go right to anger. Mm -hmm. The scene is about conflict. The scene is about, like any scene, it's about a negotiation to get something. And they they get frustrated right away. They get frustrated with the girl. And the the comedy goes right out the window. It doesn't even show up. It goes right away. And there is a way of playing frustration and anger funny. Absolutely. That's that's another key that Ted Danson, because there were scenes when he and Diane were were angry at each other, but you could just see the the fun of him kind of holding in the anger, mm-hmm. uh, not knowing how much anger to exhibit that he made it funny. And like the other thing to me that really takes comic skill is crying. Absolutely. You know, there are some actresses. Mary Tyler Moore was the best at it. Mm-hmm. Kirstie Alley Very was good. also really great because you're walking a fine line in that you have to cry and be believable that you're crying, but you can't be so sad that the comedy goes away. Yeah. You know, and it's, a, like I said, a, a very fine line, but some actors can do it, and the ones that can't kill scenes. And, and, and to answer your first question about why does there seem to be a paucity of, um, of romantic comedies now, I, I'd go back to, I'd have to lay it at the feet of, of, of writing as well. I just don't think um, anyone is writing the sort of, uh, right now, skillfully about um, romance or and and it doesn't and I don't want to sound like an old guy it doesn't have to be um, a, 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 a variation on the the movies we love like Lady Eve or or when Harry met Sally or any of the the classics that way um, it's just the idea of um, uh, comedy even romance seems to go to sort of darker areas or or areas that don't seem like interesting um, romantic territory, like Friends with Benefits, a movie about can you sleep with somebody and still be friends or... Uh, you, Are we you know, more cynical these well, days? I, I don't Do you know, think that's but, it? but you, you, the, the, there's no, there's no um, lightness to the writing and there's no um, kind of... Um, in, in the scene writing, I mean, I, I always show a scene in school... Uh, from Broadcast News, which I think is a great romantic comedy, even though it's really sort of depthfully about the end of Broadcast News as we know it. Right, written uh, and was, directed by Jim Brooks. And he was uh, some, somewhat um, prescient about where television was going, with the, where journalism was going with the 24-hour news cycle. But there's a wonderful scene in there where Albert Brooks, who's in love with Holly Hunter, but is her, also her friend, and colleague, and she's in love with William Hurt. It's a sort of a, a three-hander, a, a three-way love love story. And it's a wonderful scene where he's trying to tell her that he loves her, but he's incapable of that kind of um, that kind of expression. So he has to find a way to tell her in his own way. And he he then starts to talk about if she goes off to be with William Hurt, she could be going with the devil, that he could be the devil. And he explains that in a way that he's not the devil with a with pointy uh, horns and a tail, but he's a he's a devil who's a, the kind that that lowers our standards, that comes off as handsome and and nice, but is really kind of undermining everything. And and 
it eventually leads to him saying, I love you. Um, but it's a wonderful scene about the negotiation of trying to tell someone, please stay with me because I love you. And, and, and it's beautifully written. And I, I just don't see, frankly, just don't see a whole lot of that. Now, I guess you could say that Apatow, who I, who, whose work I really admire, John Apatow has sort of taken over that, um, uh, that romantic comedy um, mantle. Movies like Knocked Up, yeah. Well, Knocked Up and 40-Year-Old Virgin, which I think is a really great film. And both of those movies for romantic comedies Mm -hmm. were really funny. They were very funny. Because that's the other thing. A lot of times these romantic comedies, you know, like, you know, My Best Friend's Wedding or some of those other things that you mentioned, you know, they're, they're light and they're amusing but they're not funny. No. And, and you know, I, I, I think those two films are a great example. Um, they're a little more heavy-handed in a sense of, of uh, 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 not being, uh, you know, the, the, the um, sex and the romance is out front a little bit more. That's okay. The, that, that sort of goes with the times. Um, but he's, frankly, I can't see anyone else who's really doing it. Uh, Maybe Richard Curtis. Well, Curtis, yes. You yes, know, who we're did talking, uh, Four yeah. Weddings and a Funeral yeah, and Love I Actually. He's, yeah, he's still out there uh, Did yesterday, this last summer. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's an art form right now in the sense of state of the art of uh, if, if romantic comedy is a particular uh, uh, aspect of the art. I don't think right now we're in a... a and you don't have studios it. making them, too. You no. know, unless you're no. Nancy Myers or unless you're somebody who has a real proven track record. Yeah. You know, the only way you're going to get a romantic comedy movie made nowadays is if it's for Netflix or Amazon or one yeah. of those. You're more likely in some ways, and I know I'm splitting hairs here, but um, you're more likely to get somebody wanting to do a musical of You've Got Mail, which is Shop Around the Corner. Mm-hmm. Which is um, uh, she loves me? Is <laughs> variations of that. Right. Uh, you're more likely to have somebody be interested in doing that than go- doing something original because people are familiar. People of our age are familiar with some of those evergreens, like trying to turn Tootsie into a musical, which they have. And um, I'm when sure are they going to do volunteers? Harry, I'm sure they'll do Harry Met Sally at some point. When are they going to do uh, volunteers? That's because they're very good. Uh, I think the ship has sailed on that one. Oh Barbara. man. Come on. Come on. We can do it. <laughs> we can do it. We can that's throw a, in a couple of songs. Some, that's some serious shilling you're doing right? there. Right? You yeah. know, deuces are wild for white guys, okay? There's <laughs> the a big, song. There's that's the big, your 11 o'clock That's the number. 11 o'clock song. Yeah. Deuces are wild for white guys. Yeah. <laughs> However, it seems as a story that love stories, romance, mm-hmm. will always have a place. Absolutely. And you look at Cheers and how successful Cheers was and The Office and that relationship and Friends, as great and as funny as Friends is, the romance between Ross and Rachel, to me, is sort of at the center of Mm -hmm. it. So I don't think it has to do so much with Demographics, well, older people like romance and mm-hmm. millennials don't like romance. Sure they do. 
It's of course just, they do. It's just do. finding it's, the right vehicle and the right person. So if you're out there and you're a good writer, it's, this is your spot. It's the single most identifiable um, human um, endeavor. And and it's filled with everything. It has any romance has has history involved with it. It has um, sex. It has well. If you do it right, now nah, we're too old to write that now. Um, and uh, you know, it has it has um, it it has background. It has it, it's it, it's filled with with inherent conflict. What happened? We missed. Our spot, because for a long time we were too young to write sex. Now we're too old to write sex. There was like a 15-minute window Mm -hmm. where I guess we were at the market that day or something. Well, there was that 15-minute window was was also the fact that we weren't having sex. So (laughs) write what you know is uh, still true. And that will do it for part one of my interview with David Isaacs. By the way, if you do want to go back and hear that episode where we had the reading of the pilot snobs, it is episode 30, and the title of it is TV Pilot for Your Listening Pleasure, and it dropped on July 26, 2017. Go back and check it out. It's actually really fun. Thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, to Howard Hoffman, to John Wolford, to Bruce and Jason Miller. I have an email address. If you want to get in touch, I will write you back. HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. Again, that's HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. Are you following me on Twitter yet? Why not? At Ken Levine. Also on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. Part two is every bit as good as part one. So hopefully you will be back next week. Thanks for listening. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. Hollywood and Levine.